Chama Lorenzo. And this is the Pop Style Opinion Fest. Hello, kittens. Welcome back to another edition of the PSO. I am the Teen Utilo, Tom Fitzgerald. And I'm here with the Low and Utilo, Lorenzo Marquez, my lovely husband. Hello. And we have been away for a little while. And for that, I we know, apologize. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm very sorry. We're very sorry. <laughs> but we, we hit a high summer slump where there was just, you know, uh, there was a holiday weekend and then, uh, some, you know, typical for a holiday weekend. Uh, pop culture just kind of slows down all around it and for two weeks in a row we were like we don't really have anything to talk about so we don't like putting out shoddy product if we don't have something to say that's very true it is very true it's why we kind of don't do the newsletter anymore because we couldn't really put the time into it it's why uh when there's not a lot of content out there we don't we don't try and fill up space on our site. We just reduce the number of posts that we, we do. We do our very best not to do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, there was little going on and we thought, well, we're not going to waste people's time. I know, I, and I, listen, I appreciate that some people just love to listen to us and, and were upset that we took so much time off. But And I really, truly cannot tell you how much I appreciate that. But uh, we didn't want to waste your time with a lot of BS. And uh, it actually paid off because this week we have so much to talk oh about. God, there yeah. is just an explosion of pop culture stuff to talk about. We're going to do some TV talk. We're going to do some Emmys talk, a good uh, amount of Emmys talk. And strangely for us, we're going to do some Broadway talk. But that's because the biggest entertainment story of the week was Beanie Feldstein's exit uh, early exit from Funny Girl and Leia Michelle, formerly of Glee, coming in to take over the iconic role of Fanny Bryce. This set the internet on fire. Mm-hmm. And there are <laughs> opinions all over the map, and there are conspiracy theories and all kinds of stuff. There's behind the scenes stories, uh, you know, reports that come out, and then they get discounted like 24 hours later. And so there's a lot of drama there. Uh, and uh, we want to talk about our latest fave TV show. Which part yep. of that do you want to do first? I think Emmys goes to the back end. Right, right. So are we doing The Bear or are we doing Beanie? Let's do The Bear. Okay, The Bear on uh, FX on Hulu or uh, on Hulu. I never understand, but I know, I we know, watched I it know, on Hulu. I know, I know. Okay, it has an <laughs> FX logo in the beginning of it, but we watched it on Hulu. I don't know if it's on FX on cable, but... Um, the bear, uh, premiered only like two weeks ago. It premiered at the end of June. And, um, I have to admit, I don't know that we might've gotten screeners and I might've just passed it by. I only knew one person in the cast at first glance, which was Jeremy Allen White. And I only, who is the lead? And I know I only know that he was in Shameless, which is a show that I never watched. I never so, watched Shameless, which is shame. I, oh, let me cool. just stop right here because we're also going to get into Emmy's talk later and then we're going to admit how many shows we don't watch and it's not a commentary on your show. We just never got around to watching it. So, you know, there's always, you, you don't watch Succession or you don't watch, the, and I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of shows we don't watch. There's too much TV, which actually will be the focus of our discussion later. Anyway, so I, I glanced, at some point I glanced at a review or I glanced at a preview and I was like, I don't really know anybody in this cast and to me, it looked like it looked very standard. I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, it's a restaurant kitchen drama." Well, that's the thing. I'm not. An, I don't cook. I don't like kitchens. I don't like anything about restaurants except when I go and I eat. So, <laughs> I so it I wasn't interested me. at all. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't interested at all. And you were watching it. There was so much yelling going on, and we'll get into that. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh my god, I do not want to watch this." Well, you if you're doing a restaurant kitchen drama, then that's it. That's what restaurant kitchens are. Right, They're right, people right. with enormous egos and. Uh, uh, and they're constantly screaming at each other, and it's a high-stress environment. That is mm-hmm. what kitchen work is in a restaurant. Um, and I was just... And I honestly, I think um, in this day and age, I'm very selective about what entertainment I'm going to watch that I know is going to raise my anxiety levels. Mm-hmm. Because I need to modulate my anxiety levels, just like everybody else in the world right now. <laughs> and so I think at some point... That's I very smart. Yeah, yeah, I think at some point I glanced at it and I was like, mm, I don't really, you know, whatever. I don't... It, I had no real thought on it either way, but it didn't grab me. Nothing about it right. grabbed me. I blame it on social media. And then, um, then after... It wasn't an explosion of... Of um, of 
reviews and 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 essays and stuff it's just sort of slowly trickled out word of mouth started gathering and i started hearing about it and i was like okay i guess i'll check it out however everybody says that yeah there's a lot of screaming and yelling and it will it will raise your anxiety levels so i was still like "Mm, i don't know and then Oh, and I, Lorenzo and I had a, a talk recently where I was like, you know, for the sake of the podcast, we are watching too many TV shows separately, and we don't ha- get to have these conversations about the shows that we're watching together. So I was on the lookout for a show that the two of us could watch. Um, so and- Lorenzo said, fine, I watch No, it. no, no. I, so <laughs> I went and I was like, all right, well, this is new. This is out. Maybe we'll watch this. So I went and watched the first two episodes. And... um. Alan Sepinwall, the TV critic for the um, for Rolling Stone, who I I read, he's one of the best, he's and I really good. Yeah, I read him all the time. If I'm not writing a review about a show, You're reading him, <laughs> I, I, I I'll read his review. If I'm writing about the show, I'll wait until I've written about it. Um, anyway, it, he he mentioned that he uh, watched the first two episodes of The Bear and thought, you know, this is really good TV, but it's really stressful, and I don't feel like this is what I... He made the same kind mm-hmm. of call. Kind of, yeah. And I then the he thing. admitted that he had started hearing about it, and he went back to it, and he, he sung its praises. And I was like, all right, now I'm going to go watch it. Right. And uh, the first two episodes absolutely are just a lot of screaming and yelling. And... Um, this is not something that is important to me, but I know it is important to other viewers. Um, at least at the start of the show, they're not going to give you someone to root for. Like for the first two episodes, pretty much everybody's acting like a dick to everybody else. And it's very hard to sort of get a handle on. And all you can think is why, why, why are these people even in this situation? They all hate each other. This is awful. Um, and then the show becomes something else. And I, I'm i going to turn over to you so you can give your thoughts. But I just want to say, you you hear often in this day and age, oh, you have to get through the first few episodes and then it gets better. And that's not what I'm saying here. The first two episodes are excellent television. I mean, right out of the gate. Extraordinarily well written. And that is, we're, I'm going to get into that later. Mm. Is that aside from the acting, the writing on this show is the some, of the, amazing. some of the best. I mean, it reminds me a lot of Mad Men in that every episode is like a short story. Right. Um, so, yes, you have to get past all that screaming and yelling in the first two episodes, but that doesn't mean those episodes are bad. They're actually high drama, extremely well done. And now I'm going to turn over to you, well, Lorenzo. Well, the yelling keeps going. I mean, of course, all the it way, doesn't come Yeah, down. I mean, episode seven is the... <laughs> most <laughs> insane most insane episode of all of them and, and and actually probably the best one anyway um like i said i don't like anything about kitchen restaurants and anything like that in fact i never watch any of those reality tv shows about chefs and you know, no, no no i no. don't chefs are assholes that's why they're always yelling and and yeah and i understand there's a lot of stress going on because you know you have to prepare the food and people are out there waiting i do get all that but it's just not my environment uh i don't cook yeah, I just eat. So I was like, oh, I don't want, I really don't want to watch it. And I actually, when you said, you know, let's watch this. And I was like, oh my God, fine. Let's watch it. Which and, I said after I watched the first two, I was like, Lorenzo, let's sit yeah. down and watch this. And um, I have to say, I absolutely loved the show from... From the jump. From the jump, right from the get-go. You know, just like, let's go, let's watch this. And I loved it. Couldn't I watched the entire thing. In one night. In one night, yeah. yeah. Because it was so, so good. Um, because it's not just about food. Um, it is mainly about food. And No, it, I, it's about grief. But it's about grief. It's about, uh, um, it's about uh, passion. It's about talent. Yes. It's about struggle. It's about a lot of things. It's about it, art. It's about, it's about art. creating art in your life. And as someone who spent many, many years playing the violin and, and studying, and, and I, you know, as a musician, I related so much to the story. Uh and so that was very interesting to me that it's kitchen, it's a kitchen, it's food, but as a violinist. Um, Can I, I make that connection? Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. I, for I, the people I who haven't excited, watched yeah. it yet. Um, we're not going to spoil anything about the show, but I am going to give you the setup of the show and why Lorenzo's violin uh, analogy makes sense. Um, 
The show is, um, it's set in Chicago in a very humble sandwich shop. It is not some high-end restaurant. It is a family-owned sandwich shop. And the setup is that Jeremy Allen White's character, Carmi, um, was a world-class chef. He won a James Beard Award. He worked at the great what was what several characters refer to as the greatest restaurant in the world, like Michelin-rated. He's an extremely high adept, classically trained chef. Um, he comes back to Chicago to run this sandwich shop, which was owned by his brother, and before that, it was owned by his father. His brother. Um, who in a later episode in a flashback is played by John Bernthal in in a five-minute scene that I think might land him an Emmy nomination. Um, uh, his brother killed himself and left him the, um, the sandwich shop. And here's this, you know, Michelin-trained five-star James Beard Award-winning chef trying to run a run-down uh, sandwich shop in Chicago that used to belong to his, that belonged to his family. And it uh, it explores why, why, why would you do this? Why are you even in this position? Um, and but it doesn't just do that. And he's like, you know, he's a chef, so he's intense and he's difficult. And he, but he's actually very easy to love. Am I wrong? No, I think no, no, that's no, the no. beauty of Jeremy yeah, Allen yeah. White's performance is that. And I know there's a lot of there was a lot of thirst over him. <laughs> uh, online i can um, see why I he's mean, not my type no but, but i can see why yeah he's he's a specific type and and a lot of and he's very much i think a straight lady type more than a gay man type and uh he's the i can fix him dirtbag type yeah yeah and that's not really a gay thing that's a that's a lady thing sorry ladies but am i wrong i, I think having said true. all that i think he's very affable <laughs> that, that's not it i mean i'm not arguing that but i just want to say carmy is lovable and it's not because Jeremy Allen White is cute. Um, it's because he's complicated. And the show does an amazing job with very complicated... Ca- this is why it reminds me of Mad Men. The great thing about this show is there's eight episodes and they're all 30 minutes long. That was another it big so fast. selling it point. It went really, really, really fast, yeah. Uh, in this day and age, it is nice to see a show that knows knows what it is and doesn't try to be more than it is. Two things I loved about it was that the episodes were only 30 minutes long, which is not an indicator of quality. I mean, a show can be, you know, very long and still be an amazing show. But we are in an age of streaming bloat, and it is nice to see that sort of economy of scale going on. Mm-hmm. The second thing that I really loved about the see, the show was that it is truly episodic television they weren't trying to do the quote-unquote 10-hour movie which is what all these showrunners right, right, right. claim that they're doing it's like well I, some of us don't want movies some of us want episodes and like i said each episode it, it it's it felt episodic it felt like it came to an end right, right, and then right. moved on to the next episode and i loved that sense of structure um the way uh and we're going to get into other let me let me fin. What you're no, smiling at me? Uh, let me let me um set up the rest of it. There are other characters in it. Uh, um, Eben Moss Backrack plays Richie, who is his is Carmi's quote unquote cousin, although they're not really cousins. There's a pseudo family. They've mm-hmm. known each other since childhood. Richie works in the front of the restaurant, and I guess he sort of um, manages the restaurant. He's kind of a local dirtbag. He's he's very obnoxious, and he doesn't like Carmi coming back and taking over. Right, right, right. Nobody in the kitchen is all that thrilled with Carmi coming back and taking over because they all loved his brother. Um, at the same time, a new chef comes in, uh, I guess to work as a sous chef, and she's pl- Sydney, and she's played by Io Debri, who. Oh my God, she's amazing, and um, she's amazing. Back to what I said, um, and again, I'm going to pronounce it correctly this time. Violinist. Um, when I used to play the violin, um, um, it 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 does remind me. What, I just want to tell a little story here. When I was studying music in the beginning of my career and my life, uh, we didn't have a piano, and I. I was supposed to play a, a second instrument and my parents couldn't afford a piano. So no piano teacher wanted to give me lessons because I didn't have a piano at home and they didn't believe in that. Even though I told them that I go to churches, I go everywhere <laughs> to play the violin. I mean, play the piano. Anyway, because of that, a, I chose to play the harpsichord and um, that's what I did, violin and harpsichord, because I, I didn't have, you know. My point is that I 
I relate so much to that passion, to the fact that you don't have the basics to start your career, that you are struggling so hard, and that she represents so much of that. Like, she lost everything, and she's giving herself a second chance. Um, she doesn't have... She is also a classically trained chef. Exactly. Go back to me. That's why I relate so much to the story. She's She knows exactly what she's doing. She's very capable, very talented. So she's putting herself into that position. Right. Uh, she putting up, she's putting up with everything just so that she can have a second chance. It's just amazing. Every single story, every one of them, uh, they're all very talented. There's an ensemble. They're all back, right. uh, you know, back of the house. It's all everyone that works in the kitchen. So it's like the dishwashers and, you know, the line... Right, right, right. You know, the, the line chefs and everything I mean, like that. there's Tina, the character, uh, Tina, who's been working there forever, uh, and she pretty much, you know, uh, has no passion. She's over the whole thing, but she needs a job. She's still there. Right. And then, she's you know... She's played by Liza Colon-Zayas, and she's... she's a middle-aged Latina woman. And this is what I want to get into about the show is, and I told you... I had seen the first two episodes and I was like, oh my God, she's mm-hmm. such a bitch, that right, character. Right. And um, and this, you feel the same way about like Richie, played by Evan Moss Backrack. He is such a dick. Like, oh my God, these horrible people that Carmi has to deal with. And then the show is so humane mm-hmm. in its outlook. Right. Because, uh, not to be trite, but everybody has a story. Everybody has a right, perspective. Right, right. Everybody's going through something. And um, you will love all of these people. So even with all of their flaws, even with all of their, some of them engage in some really terrible behavior. Um, but the show is so forgiving mm-hmm. of that behavior. Right. And it's very, this is why it, it doesn't raise, it doesn't raise your anxiety levels as much as you might think, because the characters are very forgiving of each other. They will do and say some real shit things right, to right. each other and then get over it right again and again and again and there's something very gentle about that about the fact that and and this is largely true a lot of people who worked in kitchens and restaurants will tell you that it is insanely intense egos are all over the place people will go at each other like crazy and yet there's a bond there because you're all doing this work together and you respect each other the respect that they all wind up having for each other by the end of the season is just so heartwarming i do want to talk about marcus too he's a phenomenal character yes um oh my god I just fell in love with him. Played by Lionel Boyd. Yes, and I want to try everything he made. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's He's trying to make the perfect donut. He wants to be a a master pastry chef. And and, um, yeah, just everybody in it has a story. Every character has some goal or some demon in their past. Right. And they're all thrown into this pressure cooker, almost literally. And um, that's the show. And it's... Um, it's not nearly as intense as I'm making it mm. out. There are moments of such quiet grace. There's a scene in episode four where they have to cater a child's birthday party and for a family friend who was played by Oliver Platt. And again, I'm like, oh my God, this is an Emmy reel right here. He gives just a four-minute monologue about a dream he had about Carmi's long-dead father, and it had me in tears. It was just this beautifully he is written phenomenal. piece of dialogue, uh-huh. and he delivered it. And I actually rewound it to watch his delivery again because I marveled at some of his line readings, at the way he chose to deliver certain. I was like, mm. "Wow, that is that is an actor." He really looked at this and unpacked the emotion in it, and it it was. And there are so many scenes like that. Yes, yes, um, I. Didn't know much about him, I have to be honest. Uh, Who, Oliver Platt? No, Jeremy Allen White. Um, uh, I'm talking about the main character. I didn't know much about him. Uh, um, As I said, never watched uh, Shameless. But, and I, you know, I want to make sure everyone knows here that I believe that everyone is great. Everyone is great, but he's... not a bad performance in the show. No, everyone is phenomenal, but he's so wonderful. I mean... I mean, he is the star. He's the star, the way he looks at the camera and uh, just... Yeah, delivers his lines, yeah. and it, he's just phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. It's a fantastic character, uh, and I love, I love shows like these that it feels like it's just one day. I know it's not a day, but it right. feels like one one block 
of of story it you know i just love shows like right that because you fo- you're focused on one thing only yeah uh and that's it the entire show right, almost exactly. the entire show takes place in the kitchen of I this restaurant love that i love, I love that. that too that could be a play that could be anything i just absolutely love that i um, agree um and it's um uh just going back to like that that scene with oliver platt as an example uh the the writing on this show is just some of the best I've ever seen at telling you everything you need to know about a character mm-hmm. in one five minute right, scene, right. and they will unpack at uh, the scene of um, Sydney Iowa Debris. The first time you see her, um, it's several episodes into it. You see her in her home, uh, getting up in the morning mm-hmm. and getting ready to go to work, and it's mostly dialogue free because she's there's nobody right, else right, in the right. scene, and. Um, it's maybe a two minute introduction, and you learn everything about this character right. in the space of two minutes. The show does a phenomenal job uh, explaining who these people are without much uh, going on or exactly. not a lot of words. Uh, when she takes the train, I, I almost wept yeah. just looking at her taking the train because that represents. You knew her life. Yes. You knew her life. That means so much to a lot of people. Right. Uh, people working in New York, you know, all that. Well, that's it's Chicago. Just, but anyway, in a big city, that's yeah. what I mean. Yeah, it is Chicago. Sorry. But, you know, living in the suburbs, taking the train, going to work to the big city, that type of stuff. Right. Uh, just every day, um, doing your best, putting up with a lot. Right. I think that's the main message here is that sometimes you have to. Not that you have to, but you chose to put up with a lot, right? Because you have a main go uh, towards the end. You know, you you you, you want to get somewhere, right? Uh, and then you, so you have to go through that path. Similarly, there's a scene with uh, Evan Moss backrack character Richie, who is really giving Sydney a shitty time. They have to run out to Home Depot to get something. And he's terrible to her through the whole episode because he thinks she's just some young kid who suddenly came in and thought she's going to run the kitchen. And I'm not going to give the scene away, but um, they're in her car. Actually, they're in his car, and he gets a phone call. And again, you don't hear the other side of the conversation. This is all him acting out a one-sided conversation. Mm-hmm. And he he's exquisite in this scene. And again suddenly your entire idea of who Richie is completely changes because of this phone call. Um, And it's only like 90 seconds long. And that is just such beautifully economical writing. He did not have to get up and give a speech about his life and where he was and what he got. All you needed Mm -hmm. was 90 seconds of him reacting to a phone call. And then, oh, that's who Richie is. Um, so I, I, it just got renewed for a second season. It oh, wow. Just, it just was announced yesterday, which is good because, um, even though the, I'm singing the praises of it for being an episodic, uh, series, it does build to something at the end. And mm-hmm. what happens in the final episode, um, I, I wish we could talk about it, but I don't want to no, no, spoil it. I will say, major surprise. I will say it's quite a twist. Mm-hmm. And you might find it a little unbelievable, but I actually, before it happened, I kind of thought something like that was going to happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, I felt like the show was leading to this slightly unbelievable, but not complete. It wasn't like aliens landed or anything like that. Um, Anyway, it, it, uh, it leaves the show in a new you really don't know what's going to happen next, which is what you want at the end right. of the season. If you go back and uh, and look at all the decisions made again, uh, the 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 last episode makes a lot more sense. It was building to that. Yes. If it you was go back and, that. oh, that's why you reacted the way you did. That's why you did what you did. Yeah, it and doesn't come out of oh, left okay. field. That it, makes sense. It actually does sum up the season, sum up the themes of the season, and uh, brings back a motif that kept coming up. But... Um, you know, if I were to tell you what happens in that final episode, you'd be like, really? Because uh, it's like a soap opera level twist. Right. But it does work. It does make sense. And it does make sense. Um, and I, I, yeah, I'm going to place this um, very high on my list for the year. Like oh, I yeah. said, like Severance is, was one of the best shows yes. of the year. Um, for me, Star Trek Strange New Worlds was one of my new favorite shows, but this is up there as one of the best shows well, of the year. Well, that's the thing about having too many shows is that it gives you shows like The Bear, like like Severance. Right. You know, like, it, that's the only good thing about it, having so many options. Right. Is that uh, people are willing to say yes to to shows like The Bear that probably wouldn't even be approved uh, 
um, you know, if we didn't have that many options. This is true. You know what else is true? Every plate has been sending us delicious meals this week. Uh, Want to save on your grocery bill? Every plate is 25% cheaper than grocery shopping. Try America's Best Value Meal Kit for delicious dinners that don't break the bank. Uh, I used to think that meal kits had to be expensive, but it turns out every plate is more affordable than groceries. Their quality ingredients come pre-proportioned to help you save money and reduce food waste, like that bag of spinach Lorenzo throws out every week. Oh my God! Just this week we had um, <laughs> let it go. We had all we had veggie options. I selected all the vegetarian options oh my because God, yeah. Lorenzo's a vegetarian, so we had these amazing black bean quesadillas. Just yesterday we did the shakshuka. Oh, amazing! <gasps> really? No, die. seriously. Amazing. Yeah, shakshuka was amazing, and the uh, we did the penne with feta and fire roasted tomatoes. All of it, they were all delicious. great because some people think, well, vegetarian options are not going to be as good as no. meat stuff. No, they're all amazing, all amazing. So uh, skip the store and let every plate plan shop and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a consistently low price. Uh, choose between 17 recipes that change each week and swap proteins and sides to your liking, so you can switch up your dinner routine however you want. Uh, life's too short for boring dinner and I get sick. We both get sick of eating the same things over and over. Luckily, every plate keeps our taste buds happy with ever-changing seasonal recipes and a variety of meat, seafood, veggie, uh, uh, meat, seafood, and veggie options. Plus, we can swap out proteins and sides to match whatever we're in the mood for. You can get even more out of your every plate delivery with new extras to complement your weekly order, like vanilla delight cheesecake, sweet kale salad, garlic bread, and protein bundles to take things up a notch. Amazing. Amazing. Every plate offers options for everyone. Choose from classic plate, veggie plate, family plate, and easy plate preferences to serve up crowd pleasing meals night after night. And because everything is pre-proportioned and you do not waste anything it is easier than grocery shopping and cheaper than grocery shopping you very can, true it's it's uh very unusual for the, uh, uh, a meal plan uh kit to be cheaper than groceries but uh every plate manage it um so try every plate for just 179 179 per meal this is what i mean Try every plate for just $179 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code TLO179. That's everyplate.com, code TLO179 for just $179 per meal. Yes. Thank you, every plate. All right, Lorenzo, um, mm. before we get into uh, the Emmys. Yes. Let's do Beanie Beanie Beanie. Beanie Beanie Beanie. Beanie yeah. Beanie Beanie. Okay, so Beanie Feldstein is out or will be out of Funny Girl. We don't do Broadway stuff all that much. Uh we're not we're not Broadway queens, and I always defend it by saying, look, we're fashion queens, we're movie queens, we're costume queens. Never. There's only never. so yeah. many things we can be stereotypical <laughs> queens. We are as big a gay cliche as you'll find, but uh we're not Broadway queens. It's I not know. it's not because we don't like Broadway, but we're not people who know all the ins and outs and all the latest things going on and everything like that. But it was very hard to um avoid this. Uh Beanie Feldstein was uh, who, you know, Beanie Feldstein, she played Monica Lewinsky in American Crime Story this this past year. She was in Booksmart. Um, I know. She's oh, good. Yeah, she was also on Broadway in Hello mm-hmm. Dolly, although she didn't play. She didn't play Dolly. Um, she's a really, really um, charismatic, enjoyable actress to yes. watch. Talented. And when she was cast as Fanny Bryce, I was I was intrigued. I was like, okay, that's fun. Um, first thing is, you know, Beanie is short and she's plus sized, and so. That's a counterintuitive way of casting Fanny Bryce, who it was a real person, and she might not have looked like Barbara Streisand, but she wasn't. She was, you know, she wasn't plus size. Mm-hmm. However, I thought it, I thought it was an interesting way of going with that character. First off, Beanie is Jewish, um, and I think you know there are certain roles that I feel like I'm not Jewish myself, but I mean Fanny Bryce. That's like as iconic. That's like the Jewish <laughs> right. Lady Macbeth of American theater like I you feel like a Jewish actress needs to embody that role um if you grew up a certain way I mean you have a lot more to offer to the role I think if you you know if you, it's very culturally Jewish American right it's very exactly. culturally yeah. New York Jew right. it's it takes in like the history of right the Jewish community in New York in so many ways and it it just yes it, my first reaction was it's I'm intrigued that they cast a girl that's uh, plus size for this role, and I'm glad that they cast a Jewish girl. The reason I thought 
it worked and I was intrigued is because, you know, Fanny's character in Funny Girl, if you've seen the movie or the play, um, she goes through uh, um, a storyline of being considered unattractive and unassuming and not worth anybody's time and turning herself into a star, not just a star, but a highly desirable woman, according to Nikki Arnstein. Uh, and she has to go through that. I mean, there are lyrics about if a girl isn't pretty like a Miss Atlantic City. I mean, she there are lyrics about the character not being conventionally pretty. Right. Um, so casting a plus-size girl in that role is... It, it's an interesting take. I was, you know, okay. And if she had the musical theater chops, that would right. be, you know, I think she's it's a, got big round eyes. Right. She's very expressive. She's loaded with personality. I could see it. It would have been a great move. Yeah. Um, Except she, yeah, it turned <laughs> out that um, she isn't a Broadway belter. Um, and that, that, my understanding, I've seen a few videos of rehearsals and stuff like that and stuff um, filmed on, um, you know, pre-opening night and everything like that and it's not great but i've also heard other reviews say the, the issue wasn't so much that she can't sing it's that she had the wrong type of voice for those songs she has a very sort of light soprano mm-hmm. and well that's not barb you know, when you think of barbara no. not that you have to be barbara streisand but she originated the role so those songs are going to call for a certain style of singing and it calls for a belter listen i can i i I can speak as a musician. You can't cast someone, you know, a soprano with with a, with a, you know a tenor or whatever. I mean, you can't do that. I mean, yeah. there are certain roles that require a certain type of voice, and you just have to go with that. Right. All the decisions about this were all wrong. All of them. Weird. Weird all decisions. Of them. Starting with her accepting the job. I'm sorry. Nobody's talking about that. Yes, you say no. No, I can't do it. It would be me like playing with an orchestra in New York, uh, you know, the, I don't know, the Beethoven Violin Concerto. I, I can't do it. And just because someone offers me the job doesn't mean that I have to accept it. Just move on. Uh, but I, and I, I, there is an argument that says that's less her responsibility than it is the responsibility of the producers to step in at some point and say, this isn't working. Well, there was a weird sort of infantilizing of her in a lot of ways and uh, tiptoeing around her in a lot of... I'm not suggesting they should have been meaner to her, um, but in the long run, the way they handled this was worse for her because it was more humiliating. And I they agree. could have I agree. swept in early and talked about either restructuring how they were doing things. I mean, maybe the music needed to be rethought if they really were sold on her in this role. They didn't move to protect her as the lead the in a lot thing, and to yes. protect the production itself. Right. So now it's all cursed. She looks, she's humiliated. And this is like the most cursed production on Broadway right now. Um, it started really bad because uh, everyone thought that. Leah Michelle was going to be the one. <clears throat> well, when Beanie the was announced, there were all these jokes. Right, exactly. Leah Michelle, who has was on Glee. <clears throat> I don't know if I need to really explain who she is to anybody listening to this, but she has been openly um, auditioning for to play Fanny Bryce on Broadway. Right. She, she talked about it years ago. Everybody knows it was she her was dream. Born. Yeah. And um, somewhat unfortunately for everyone involved, it was also a storyline on Glee. So there are tons of yes. videos yes. of Leia At Michelle. At least six or seven of them. Yeah. First off, singing practically every song that's yes. in it, but also... There's all these clips and memes of her being a bitch about getting the role, like, you know, stomping right. all over everyone else, because that was the storyline at the time. Rachel Berry was, you know, not unlike Leia Michelle in a lot of ways, I, or at least a lot of people seem to think so. So it complicated the story a lot because people were con- confusing a Glee storyline with the real world. And also Leia Michelle, um, her reputation has been in the toilet for the past couple of years because <laughs> this strikes me as such a... Oh, man, remember the pandemic when we were all stuck inside and we were obsessing over the weirdest shit? But this all happened during the pandemic. All this stuff came out about Leia Michelle, but from former mm-hmm. Glee cast members who said that she was a bully. Um, she was accused of racial microaggressions against um, black cast members. And uh, her reputation went in the toilet. Uh, it, it all came out because she... Um, she did a Black Lives Matter post, and that did not sit well with some of her black castmates. Um, so, uh, 
Well, it's yeah, it 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 started with Naya Rivera complaining about her behavior on the show and nobody listened to her. And then Naya died tragically. Yeah, unfortunately. That's why there's thing. so yeah. much in yeah. this that just and of course Leia Michelle was dating Corey Monteith, her co-star, and today was the ninth anniversary of his death right, by right. drug overdose. There's first off, Glee is like the most cursed television show in it's history. Unfortunate because it was a great show in the beginning. It was, but um that cast was a mess, that production was a mess, and things got way out of hand. Uh, so there was all this expectation that she was going to be play the part. And right? she didn't get the part. And she didn't get the part, and, and everyone it was surprised. And Now, um, I will admit, Leia Michelle is probably a little too old to be playing Fanny Bryce. She's really? 35. She's 35. Hmm. Fanny Bryce starts off as a teenager in the, in the beginning, and I don't know. I could understand why they went with Beanie over Leia because, first off, she was a rising star, not a star whose career was in the toilet. And secondly, she was the appropriate age, roughly the appropriate... Because I think Barbara was only like 24 when she started the role. So um, I understand why they went for Beanie over Leia, but it turned into this thing where somehow Leia got the role stolen out from under her feet. and then So she was cast... I'm not trying to defend Leia Michelle. She sounds like a nightmare behind the scenes. It sounds like everybody who had complaints about her, those are real complaints, and she was awful. However, the internet at social media loves the very simplistic storylines, and when it comes to celebrities, I mean, they're, they turn them into puppets. They're like It's like a Punch and Judy show. So now, Leia Michelle is this wronged, you know, nightmare star who is secretly plotting behind the scenes to get Beanie Feldstein, who, and this has, you know, in the, in the, as the story has unfolded, a lot of people are over identifying with Beanie in a lot of ways because, you know, she's a plus size girl and, and she tried really hard and she's really likable. And so she's the good person. And Leia Michelle is the bad person in this storyline. That's very true because I'm allegedly, uh, Leah is a horrible person, and Beanie is a very nice person. That's the, those but are the I, stories out there. That doesn't so have anything I, to do with what happened. But here. that's how people read things, and that's how they relate right. to things. Is um, they forget talent and you know money, money, and all that, and they focus on that, which is fine. You know, I'm not criticizing anyone, but that's how it is. My my question, my point, always is why Beanie? I mean, why not anybody else? Because. She she has no voice. She doesn't have a voice. She, apparently, she can sing, but she's wrong. Well, for this I can role. sing too, but right. doesn't mean that I. Should I mean, be I was shocked when the review and the re- reviews were bad. They were really bad, and because, I because was shocked was when bad. the reviews came out because I couldn't imagine how do you how do you cast Fanny right. Bryce and not and she can't sing. Well, like, and then what? she also I, that's the whole point to that character. Didn't she go on TV and said that she never auditioned for the part? Something like that. Listen, there's so much weird stuff surrounding her uh, that I don't know what's true. I think Everyone she said insists that. that her father is a producer on the show. I can't find any evidence of mm-hmm. that. Everyone insists that her brother Jonah Hill invested in the show. I can't find any incidents of that. There was a real uh, backlash against her, especially when the reviews started coming out that she somehow bought her way into the production. But I don't really see any this is like stuff you hear on tiktok but i don't see it in any reports i i don't so remember I don't know. yeah but i there yeah i don't remember but there's some story that she i forget what i TV read the show. same story but and i don't she, know if it yeah. was actually true that she actually said that there's so much several times this week people in our mentions on twitter were like yeah but her father's an investor and i said do you have any citation for that and then they deleted their tweet every single time so it, I don't know. There's a lot of lore surrounding Beanie's casting. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I guess they had a different idea of what the show was going to be. They didn't want to do a Barbara Streisand drag show, and I can understand that. Yeah, well, the thing is that I I agree with all that, and, and I'm going to defend Beanie a little bit here because I think the way the producers handle her is just absolutely horrific. I agree. Uh, I understand that producers is all about money. You have to think about money and, you know, have a successful show and all that. But you 
you just you screwed it up right from the you know, from the beginning. Yeah. I mean, it's just like what you did is just wrong, and um, it's a combination of all of, a lot of things. And I I don't understand how agents work because you know your agent should have said no, maybe not. You know, um, it turns out that uh, Beanie's agent and Leah Michelle's agent is the same which person, which is a little crazy. I but know. I don't know that that necessarily means anything. I mean, when you remove all of the backstory. Uh, Leia Michelle's whole backstory and uh, all the rumors about Beanie buying her way into it. It comes down to the producers took a risk with her casting because they wanted to do take the show, the revival, in a different direction. It didn't pay off. They handled it badly. And now they are going with the option most likely to sell tickets. Leia Michelle's uh, casting at least initially mm-hmm. is going yes. to get a lot yeah, of people yeah. running out to see her in the show because a they're curious if she can do it b she has been saying for 15 years that she wanted to do it and c there's all this drama surrounding it so i understand why they went with Leia michelle and i don't think they necessarily went with Leia michelle to fuck over beanie feldstein i, I think they went with Leia michelle because they needed a famous part the show was losing money ticket sales were right. down mm-hmm. and they, they made a decision. They should have made that decision two months ago. Uh, because also in all this, Beanie, after the reviews were bad, she started missing a lot of performances. Now, some of that was due to COVID, but she had a really bad record of was- missing performances. And apparently her understudy, yes. Julie Benko was phenomenal was really good and she started getting a lot of buzz in it and this was hurting beanie's feelings and in one of the reports she was mad at the producers because her understudy was talking about how great she was doing on her own social media accounts and beanie felt like that was humiliating to her now a lot of people latched on that and oh my god beanie's being a diva and listen any understudy should sing her own praises as much as she can when she gets a chance um so maybe Beanie was being a little diva-esque, but the point was she shouldn't have... Beanie shouldn't have been in that position at that point. I agree. At I that agree. point, her understudy was taking over for yes. her a lot and generating a lot of press. All of Beanie's press was bad. Of course she was... Star- I think she was asking for someone to let her go. Um, or, or maybe she didn't know how right. to leave on her own two feet, which she eventually did. That was the thing. She announced her own on her own this week that she was le- It had already been announced that she was leaving at the end of September, and then she came out this week and, and said, no, I'm leaving at the end of July. Um, because things just got worse, and things she can't just take got it worse, anymore. and the uh, press was terrible, and she was humiliated. She's humiliated. I, I believe that. I mean, she must be mortified that yeah. everyone is talking about this whole fiasco. And that says a lot about Broadway, because... Uh, my understanding is that Julie Banco is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. And why not just use her? But because of course she's not. she's not a name. Right. That's the thing. That's, but that says so much about the, uh, the, the, you know, Broadway world in general that how, how, you know, how do you become famous and how do you get a chance? You know, if you, if they never give you a chance, it's just sad. The whole thing is sad because it's not really about being a great performer. It's about bringing names uh, big names right. so that people can buy tickets and, and you know the whole United States when they visit New York they can go see a play that was snotty <laughs> that was really snotty <laughs> no um, it's just the truth but anyway um, it's sad the whole thing is sad I feel bad for her but at the same time you could have said no I can't um, do this I don't want to go too far out on a limb and but I, I won't I won't say that I feel bad for Leia but this is um it kind of sucks for her in a lot of ways too. She is getting her dream, but it is so tainted at this point. Yeah, but and so many people think that she did something to do to get and like there was some sort of scheme. I mean, I just don't see any evidence of that. I don't see how she could have done that. I don't right. think she manipulated her way in. I think she was the best choice of, for the producers to to recoup their money. That's right. it. The whole thing with Lea Michelle is that she has a terrible track. She is everyone talks about how horrible she is behind the scenes and right. how difficult she is um, to work with. And all these people came out, again, allegedly saying that she is very racist, that she made horrible jokes, um, you know, and I, said I, horrible I don't want to defend her, but it, it wasn't that she's made racist jokes. Um, she was racist. Come on. I, 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 she was accused of racism. Right. And other, other cast members came 
out and said she is an asshole, but she's not a racist. She treats everybody that way. It's it's just right. that when she treated black cast members that way, they and they have that right. They have that right to consider the and so I'm not saying she's not racist. I'm You're just right. saying that it's a little more complicated. And when you start talking about Leia Michelle is racist. These things start snowballing, and right. people think that Leia Michelle was going around making all these racist comments. Uh, when in fact, again, I'm not suggesting that this isn't racist or that race doesn't play a part in this, but she essentially had bad behavior across the board and right. she unleashed some of that on black cast members. So she's not racist. She's just not. I'm not saying she's not racist. I just want us to say that when people start tossing that around, they make it sound like there was some deliberate. And right. it's more like she was an asshole across the board and her her cast members of color took that as, you know, and they have that right. I'm not suggesting right. that they I were agree. wrong. It's so, and other cast members, including other black cast members came out and said, she is an asshole, but she's not racist. She's not transphobic. She's not um, homophobic. She's just an asshole across the board. I... Right. I, I, please don't take this the wrong way. I'm not trying to defend her from charges of racism. It's just that I've noticed the rhetoric this week when it starts tossing this around. They make it sound like it, it just gets blown way out of proportion every time it comes up. Right. It. It. Uh, again. It, you know. I. I'm. I wasn't there, so I don't know. But there. There are several stories about her being difficult to a lot of people. Very uh, nasty to people. Very nasty. Acting like a diva. Mm-hmm. And and several black actors came out and and you know, told their stories. Yes. How horrible she was to them. And they should tell their story. And they should, of course. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe she's not racist, but she, uh, you know, she's nice to white people. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I really don't want to unpack that too, too much. But um, the one thing I'll say is that it's, she has an opportunity here. And if she pulls it off, it'll be a great story. She has an opportunity to rehabilitate her reputation and come out and give some sort of performance that gets people cheering. Um, There's no denying that she has the talent and that she is, if you're going for a classic Fanny Bryce, she is correct for the role. Right. Um, However, uh, she has spent so much of her career emulating Barbara Streisand in so many ways. It, it, the best thing I think, the best thing she could do for herself is to not get up there and do a Barbara Streisand impersonation. Oh, she's going to. Come she on. should get up there and do some something that makes it her own. Right. If you're going to sing, you know, um, Don't Rain on My Parade, note for note, exactly the same way Barbara did, which is what she did on Glee. And I think that's what people were expecting of her. I know. That's the yeah. that's the push-pull here because I think the producers want her to do that so they can get their ticket money. You know, had a chance to do something interesting and different, but unfortunately she doesn't have the voice yeah. uh, to do that, uh, which is not her fault. I mean, they picked her and she said yes, and the whole thing fell apart. Yep. Uh, I think we've yeah. exhausted that completely. Okay, so moving on to more TV talk. The Emmy nominations came out this week, and there were surprises, and there were snubs, and we'll talk about snubs. Some of them, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, we can really get into the weed of uh, weeds of it and, and list every single thing that should have gotten nominated that wasn't, but we would be here all day, and um, I think I would like to dance around the larger point about why there are so many snubs this right, year, which right, is, right, be- right. is that there is too much TV for the Emmys to keep up with. But let's start with some of our people do want to do snubs. So let's start with that first and we'll run through. I don't want to like read out loud. all. No, no, you don't have to read out loud, but we'll talk about the things we, uh, right. You know, like uh, I do that. think number one, I do think it's insane that the Gilded Age did not get a costume. Didn't I was shocked. That I was, was shocked. I that was, was like, insane what? to no, me. No, no. The costumes were amazing. It it did a very good job telling the story of every character. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand that at all. I think it's a shame that Julia mm-hmm. on HBO got no nods at all because I thought Sarah Lancashire was great. I thought David Hyde Pierce was great. And I thought um, uh, B.B. Newworth was great. Right. And I also felt like the show had beautiful art direction and costume design. There was a lot going for it, but it just didn't get anything. Pachinko! Come Pachinko. on! Come on, that is absurd. That is revolting. Have that we talked about everything. Pachinko on this podcast? Oh, uh, yes, yes, yes. We did? Yes, yes. Uh, it's one of the best things ever made. 
I don't understand, and it's sad. It's very sad because um, it shows once again that you know when it comes to international stuff, that people have to read the subtitles. They just don't appreciate it as much. Pachinko is amazing. Um, yeah, it's insane that it's it, phenomenal. Everyone is amazing. Got, the only it got a nomination for its credits, which yeah, whatever, whatever. Um, um I'm not. Sh- I'm not appalled by this but it is notable no you don't know what i'm referring to i haven't gotten to it yet (laughs) uh i'm not appalled by this but it is a little bit surprising that for being one of the most discussed shows of the year and just like that got nothing now i would not not nominate anybody for for the uh acting on that season Mm -hmm. or for the writing on that season but I don't know, costume design or, or art direction or something. It just seems strange to me that it was. And it's interesting because this will, again, we'll get into this. There's sometimes you, d- you don't know. Like some of the most discussed shows of the year just got nothing. And then other shows um, actually, you know, benefited from the mm-hmm. uh, word of mouth, like Severance. Right. Uh, I think Severance only got where it got by word of mouth. It wasn't an out-of-the-gate thing. It was more of a, like, people kept talking it up and talking it up. And I, I remember even putting this in the review when the season was over that, I, uh, in a way, like, I felt sorry for people who were coming to it and not dis- You know, they were right. hearing about it right. after. Because the joy of Severance was discovering it. And then it's slowly unfolding, and then you realizing, oh my god, all of these performances are no, amazing. I think that's and, the best thing about the show is that I knew nothing about it. To yeah. Start watching, and I'm like, oh, okay, it's an office. Oh, okay, what? It's uh, just you discover so many things. Um, now, and the other thing that's interesting is that um, being a big movie star is not a ticket to getting an Emmy nomination anymore. Uh, just because you decided to do TV. Like, Nicole Kidman famously got her Emmy for Big Little Lies, and then the next season, every actress was flocking to television. And it's notable that actresses like Jessica Chastain for Scenes from a Marriage, um, Anne Hathaway from We Crashed. Oh, that was awful. But she was good in it. Uh Uh-huh. And... um, um, uh, Julia Roberts Julia in Roberts. Gaslit or Michelle Pfeiffer in The First Lady. Uh, I think it was Seppenwall who said, someone said this week, it's kind of insane that there was a Watergate miniseries starring Julia Roberts and Sean Penn and yeah. nobody talked about it. The First it just Lady is faded because uh, I think Viola Davis, I don't know, she turned the lights off on, on that one. And, it and was never a great series no, from, no, no. from the start, but uh, everybody said Michelle yeah. Pfeiffer should have amazing it was an amazing performance i wish they had just done a betty ford series and let her do it i do think viola i have to say viola's memeable take on um on uh um not hillary clinton on michelle obama it kind of sunk the show yes yes. and listen viola davis is phenomenal she is an amazing actor it just didn't work for her she and was not cast no, correctly. She, she and I right. mean, that sounds funny because on paper you would think, well, how, she's perfect right, for Michelle right. Obama. But um, I think she the went minute, a little too far. The minute she started talking, I was like, oh, I didn't realize how different those two women are in affect. Like Michelle Obama, at least in a, as a public figure, because she was a first lady, um, she's very conservatively feminine in a lot of ways uh you don't really think to describe mm-hmm. michelle that way but she is she's she has a very light voice she's very feminine in her in her mannerisms in her she walk. had to be in a she way. had to be and yeah. i'm sure she probably had to mm-hmm. train herself to right. be that way and viola da- i'm not saying viola davis isn't feminine but she's very she's brusque and she's very forward and she's got a very deep voice and she's loaded with all this power and charisma and that's not how you play a first lady i mean a first lady has to tamp all that stuff mm-hmm. down and that's why i'm she, sure they all do in a way i'm yeah. sure mm-hmm. I, I bet you michelle is probably a lot more like viola davis behind the right. scenes than than we know but the fact yeah. of the matter is she was trying she was doing a public version of her and it didn't work the casting was right. wrong julia roberts was she was good but it was a big nothing of a show i mean the it felt uh, like a cliche after it, a cliche yeah i, I mean the story is kind of boring. There wasn't right. much going on. You just go fact by fact. And I'm like, all right, I know all this, but it's not giving me any emotion here. Uh, and she tried very hard, but no, it was just not good at all. It wasn't bad. It just was. And I mean, my take on it, it was sort of the same thing I felt when Kate Blanchett was playing Phyllis Schlafly. Um, oh, God. Uh, yes. And Julia Roberts was playing Martha Mitchell, where I was like, they, they're just not 
letting these women look like real women. They 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 look like movie stars playing these roles. They're too attractive. Right. They're too uh, thin because you know nobody was that thin back then. So it, it's just distracting. I think it's possible for, but I think it was very notable to me that um, uh, Sean Penn was playing her husband. And he was in prosthetics. He had a bald cap on. He had right. a double chin. They did everything to make him look not like Sean Penn. But all they did was put her in a wig. Right, right. So she still looked like Julia Roberts. You know, she still looked too glamorous to be playing this right. woman. The thing with Kate Blanchett, uh, I love her. Absolutely worship her. But I think every time she does a period piece, <clears throat> excuse me, she goes a little too far. She performs a little. <clears throat> excuse me. You can see that in Carol, uh, Nightmare Alley, all of those. She tends to go way too glamorous, and she changed her voice, and it's it's a little bit too much. And I think she felt she did the same way. She right. did the same for um, you know the show you just mentioned. Uh, what else? Selena Gomez was not nominated for Only Murders oh God, in the Building. Yes. Everyone is talking about it, and that is kind of a shame because yeah. it's such a notable role, and she really gives it her all. Uh, it's also a lot of people were mad that This Is Us was not nominated for its final season. It's not my show, yeah, Lorenzo, whatever. but it is very popular and critically acclaimed. So it is weird. But it, it is not us. Also, Blackish, its final I season. Know, That's crazy. really kind of strange. Um, what else? I have to say, very excited that a Hacks costume designer was nominated, um, um, Kathleen Felix Hager, and we interviewed her. It's on our site. She's yeah. amazing. The costumes are amazing. It was for the Captain's Wife episode, which is phenomenal. The lesbian cruise. <laughs> that was hysterical. And the costumes are amazing. Um, what else? What else do you... Happy for Yellowstone. In terms <clears throat> happy for Yellowstone. Oh, not Yellowstone. Um, uh, Yellow Jackets, sorry. Uh, yes, happy for Yellow Jackets. Happy for Melanie Linsky yes, for getting yeah. a nod. I really hope she oh wins God, it. I She's having a great so. year. The thing about Yellowstone is... Um, it, when I saw that it had gotten snubbed, I was like, well, Jesus, they're going to really dine out on this one because Taylor Sheridan, the show's showrunner and creator, loves to talk about how coastal elites don't pay attention to his show. And perhaps there is some truth to that. However, a lot of shows didn't get, I mean, right. Yellowstone didn't get nominated. You know what? Pachinko didn't get nominated. And just like that didn't get nominated. You know, there are a lot of coastal or international shows that did not get any nominations right. either. Um. It does seem like a... I'm not saying it's not a snub. I mean, it is a critically acclaimed show. It is an extremely popular show. I don't watch it because I'm one of those coastal elites. But um, but everyone talks about it. Everyone talks it about is. it. Yeah. It, is, yeah, yeah. it is strange. Yeah. Um, it is notable. But I don't think it's necessarily a coastal elitism. Um, I think they're... You know, reser Reservation Dogs didn't get any nominations either. And, you know, so... I don't know. It... Um, before we get into that, let's talk about some of the stuff that we are happy about. The White Lotus. Oh, the White everybody, Lotus. Everybody, everybody. So happy for them. So I think uh, we just talked about this before the mics turned on. Sydney Sweeney got uh, nominated for both the White Lotus and for Euphoria. And we both came down on opposite sides of this because Lorenzo was like, I don't know if she deserved two. And I said, and we both basically talked over each <laughs> yeah. other. I said, well, she absolutely deserved it for White Lotus. And Lorenzo was like, well, she absolutely deserved it for Euphoria. It was her season. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, yeah, I mean, everybody talked about her season in Euphoria. And as far as the White Lotus goes, that was a stacked cast with great performances. But even then, she stood out. She's that was hilarious. a memorable yeah. character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was, she was all anybody could talk about. And it was just a beautifully delivered, beautifully calibrated take on a specific type of character that we've seen a million times. Yeah, that show which is amazing. Um, I can't wait. Very, for very thrilled that Jennifer yeah. Coolidge and Murray Bartlett both got, yes. uh, and uh, Natasha Rothwell also got uh, nominated. Yes, so yes, yes, yeah. All of that's great. Uh, what else do we like? What about you, your people, Ted Lasso? You happy? Um, I, I'm happy that... Um, uh, Dr. Sharon, I can't remember. Sarah Niles, I think, is that her name? I'm really, really happy that she uh, got nominated. She was one of my favorite characters, introduced new characters on television in the last year. What I loved about her character is that um, less evolved, less grown-up writing would have cast her in a villainous sort of role mm -hmm. or as an unhumorous sort of you know drag on the rest of the... But um, because that show is another show that's very humane in its approach... 
um, it unpacked the idea that she is correct, that she it is a good thing to be an adult and to have boundaries and to state what those boundaries mm-hmm. are and to expect other people to adhere to them. Not only that, but she was a, a great character because she was so empathetic. Um, she really embodied the best of what you hope a therapist will be. Right. And it's, um, my sister is a therapist and I, I, I know that she always has her hackles up about how badly therapists are often portrayed on, um, television or in movies. Mm-hmm. And I won't speak for her. I can't remember what she said. Although I think she did like, she did think it was a good portrayal, but I felt it was a really good positive portrayal of a therapist and, and how they're mm-hmm. not your friend. Right. But, right, right. um, if you, if you do the work with them, you will uh, benefit from their expertise. And they, it was just a very humane take on, on that relationship. And, and right. she was great in it. She was just really great. In it. And then they allowed little touches of imperfections in her. Like it was implied that she might be drinking too much. Um, but they, again, didn't, mm-hmm. I just love that kind of writing that lets an audience see that a character isn't just one thing or another. And then, Let's the audience decide who I, that I, character I, I, I is, agree. you know? Yeah, I truly uh, agree with you. Not to go back to it, but that's a big appeal to me for the bear is that um, it just shows you who the person is, right. good or bad, and it lets you decide how you feel about them. It doesn't tell you how you're supposed to feel about them. Very happy for Abbott Elementary. Very happy for that. Um, go I, ahead. Go ahead. No, they're so phenomenal. Everyone is so great. Uh, it's such a clever way of presenting a show. Uh, they speak to the camera, and then it's all about the school. and And I've read so many pieces, local pieces, about how dead on they are, about how they. Pr- well, Quinta that, Brunson is a local girl. She's yeah, Philly represents. Yeah. I mean, so the jokes are. I mean, the jokes are the jokes are so funny and local. Uh, if you understand Philadelphia, you you just laugh all the time because it, it's a great show. Yeah, it's a great show, and I'm again. One of the things that, you it's know... It's great to see a black-created yes, show with exactly. predominantly black cat. They all got nominated. But that's what I mean. Uh, having so many different channels and, and opportunities, that, you know, then you end up saying yes to a show like this. And it's awesome yeah. because it's a great show. I'm happy for Adam Scott, who got nominated for Severance. He's been doing good work for so long on television. Right. Good, quiet, unassuming work. Um, and it's nice to see that work get rewarded. I do think he's excellent in it. Um, who else? What else? Uh, happy for all you succession fans out there. Yeah, I mean, say. I don't, we don't want, we don't, the show. Watch don't the yell show, at me, I don't, don't yell at me, but I'm happy that everyone got nominated. I think they need to stop nominating the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, but that's oh my, my own. Personal. Well, it's the last season, apparent, right? It, I don't know, it, yeah, it's I the last, I it a long time ago. I know. Uh, um, it, it was a great idea. It was a great show, but it just became the same over and over again. Yeah. Uh, pretty costumes and, and funny lines and nothing else. Um, now, here's watching. a really like a uh, guest actress in a comedy. It was Jane Addams and Hacks, Harriet Sansom Harrison Hacks, um, Laurie Metcalf and Hacks, Caitlin Olsen and Hacks. I mean, it was also Harriet Walter and Ted Lasso and Jane Lynch and Only Murders, but um, I'm not suggesting any of those women didn't deserve it. But this is sort of the problem with the Emmys is that they latch on to certain shows and then they overnominate and they nominate yes, just every yes, guest that yes, appears yes. on it, every actor that's very cast. And while that, while you may argue that everybody in Ted Lasso deserves a, a nomination or everybody in in uh, the White Lotus deserves a nomination, what happens is so many other shows get locked out because you decide to give it to everybody because you're just yeah. over rewarding one show remember modern family like uh, yes all yes. The, every year they were all winning over and over and there was like no point in anybody else getting right um the, the emmys has always been this way and it's I think it's becoming more and more of a problem because there is more TV out now than right. at any other time in history and not not junk TV like i said you know it's Julia Roberts and Sean Penn in right, a Watergate right. drama. That's not shit TV. Um, that that money that <laughs> is prestige premiere television, and it just dropped out of sight and it got no nominations because there's so much other prestige premiere television going on. And I don't just mean the shows with movie stars in it. Um, I I mean there's just so much going on that people are always saying to us, "You don't watch this, you don't watch that," and I'm like, "Yeah, there's I can't watch everything," and even. Uh, full-time television critics have to decide what they can and cannot watch so if you're a voting member of the academy who you're not a professional television watcher 
you're only going to watch, you know, the popular shows and you're right. only going to vote for all the people in, in your favorite show. So everybody loves Hacks. Everybody in Hacks gets a nomination. Well, that, everybody that loves Abbott yeah. Elementary. Everybody in Abbott Elementary. And again, not suggesting these people don't deserve these nominations, but... But it limits the number of people from other shows getting an opportunity. So, and yeah. um, I'm, I really feel I'm not enough of an expert on the Emmys. I'm not an expert on the Emmys at all. What am I saying? But I really feel like they need to start diversifying these categories and bringing mm-hmm. up subcat. You can't just do best actor in a comedy. You might have to break out comedies according to various, right. you know, there are traditional sitcoms. There are, you know, dramedies. There are, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, open up a little more. Open yeah. up a little more. It has to yeah. be specific. You might have to, I don't know, break it down by age groups or something like that in order to get everybody represented there. But there should be way more categories than what they have. I, I don't know how they would give out all these awards at once, but it just doesn't feel, at least with the Oscars, not so much the Oscars, but the Oscars in tandem with the BAFTAs and the SAG Awards and the, you know, mm-hmm. at one time, the Golden Globes, that by the end of the uh, movie awards season, you felt like all the good stuff had gotten some form of record. There's always snubs, but across the board, you feel like, you know, there's some... And more and more with television, I don't feel like the Emmys is... Ca- because it really all comes down to the Emmys. There are other television awards, but the Emmys are the, right, right. the awards for, for American for television. television yeah. And one award cannot encompass everything that's going on. That's true. That's very true. Um, it would be interesting if they broke things down and had several Emmy... They, you know, why not do the Emmys twice a year? Why not do, you know, different styles of Emmy, like shows right, right, that... Right. The drama Emmys, and then we'll do the comedy Emmys or that sort of thing. Um, I just feel like uh, the Emmys are still the Emmys the mm-hmm. way they were done 50 years ago, and television is, as a medium is so revolutionarily different than what it was even 15 years ago. That the Emmys are not, they don't represent the best of right. television well, that, yeah. anymore. Well, that's true of all of them, to be honest. I, I think the in the with the Emmys, it's more cute. I agree. I agree because television has changed so much. Movie, the, the movie industry, not so much. Right. But I agree with you. Anyway, just want to shout out to Julia Garner. Um, great nomination for inventing uh, Anna. I mean, the show is horrible. But, she did, she was good, but, but the she's show, phenomenal. Uh, she's it, great. The show got nominated and it shouldn't have. No, it, it's not a good show. It, it, it's a com- complete misrepresentation of what the story was, it was of, of the original source it, it, it's such a big disappointment but she is phenomenal don't understand lily james for pam and tommy come on what you didn't watch it no but i did a little bit and i couldn't watch it anymore um tony collette for the staircase that's good she was good i didn't finish the staircase yeah uh i so, mean she was she's never not right, right but yeah sarah and paulson. colin firth was nominated yes too, right? yes 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 sarah paulson, sarah paulson come on for wearing a fat suit and playing Linda Tripp. I just, no, 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 I don't see the point in that. And extremely happy for Amanda Seyfried, the dropout. That was one I agree. of the best performances. But uh, Naveen yeah. Andrews should have gotten nominated as well. Yes, yes, I agree. Um, but so, yeah, it. I mean, uh, like I said, we all have snubs. Uh, and uh, I think it's all, it only gets worse each year because there is so much good television out there. Um so, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Would love to hear from the rest of you as to who you think got snubbed, who you think in each category should win, all your thoughts on the Emmys. And would love to hear from um, those of you who have watched The Bear. Please weigh in on that because, oh, my God, we could talk oh about God, that yes. all oh day. I, I don't and, think I could watch it again because there's so much yelling going on, but... I'll, 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 I'll always remember that show. Yeah, so would love to hear your thoughts on that. Would love to hear your thoughts on Beanie and Leia and Funny Girl and all that drama. So please, please, please weigh in. And until next week, when we'll be, and we will be back next week, I promise. Yes. We'll be back with whatever crosses our eyes or crosses our desk. Please take care of yourselves. Love you. Mean it. Bye-bye. Bye.